Sarcoma Insight. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Sarcoma Insight, your destination for education on benign and malignant tumors that affect the bone and soft tissue, brought to you by Dr. Brinkman and Dr. Ibe. Uh, each episode, we tackle a different topic in the field of sarcoma and orthopedic oncology uh, with a goal to discuss uh, pertinent literature and also include experts within the fields. Today, we are discussing our main topic and the title of our podcast, which is sarcomas. Before we go any further, uh, since it's our first episode, we'd like to do somewhat of an introduction of our host here to allow connect, uh, allow some of our listeners to be able to connect with us. Uh, we'll just give you a little bit about our background, maybe education and a hobby or interest. Yeah, so I can start off. Uh, my name's Elise Brinkman. So I'm from California or was raised there most of my life. Uh, I did undergrad in California at UCLA, go Bruins. Uh, and then I went to St. Louis University in Missouri for medical school moved on to Loyola University Medical Center uh, in Maywood near Chicago um, for my orthopedic surgery residency. And then I've done two fellowships. So I'm what's called dual trained. Uh, I did an orthopedic oncology fellowship at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and then an adult reconstruction or joint replacement fellowship, hip and knee replacement fellowship um, at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and just, I guess, a little else about me. I, in my free time outside of medicine, um, I enjoy mentoring and teaching. So that's part of kind of where this podcast comes from is that both Izu and I have an interest in uh, education. And uh, I also enjoy hiking um, and riding my bike. I, uh, I commute on my bike to work right now, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, I sp enjoy spending time outdoors, outside of the hospital, when I get the chance. I always wondered how that works when you bike into work. What happens with all the sweat? Because, I, I mean, I sweat. <laughs> well, um, I wear scrubs a lot, certainly, at work. Um, but, fortunately, my commute's pretty short. So, oh, typically, I, uh, okay. I don't... I don't sweat too much. Um, it's, like, it's, like <laughs> a leisurely, it's like a leisurely ride. It's not like a... Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's just about a 10 minute pretty flat. Um, so it's a, it's a quick commute for me, but it's shorter than walking and a lot cheaper than finding parking at the hospital. But and I got a lot of gear this year to be able to bike in the elements. So even on the snow days and rainy days, like today, I still bike into the hospital. And it's a nice way to wake me up. And uh, it's just a nice way to spend at least a few minutes outside, even on those long days. So I've enjoyed it a lot and we'll see if I, uh, I, I keep it up long-term, but at least for now, it's been great. Excellent. And uh, for me, my name is Izuchuku Ibe. I am Nigerian born and then my family uh, did move to New York, spent a lot of time in New York since then, went to medical school at New York Medical College, which is one of the oldest medical schools in New York, as well as then following that up with my residency training at Yale in New Haven, Connecticut, and then a fellowship training uh, in orthopedic oncology, which was uh, at the University of Toronto. In terms of hobbies and interests, uh, you know, I, I love 
sports a lot, most particularly soccer, and then maybe football close second. But I do a lot of other things. I enjoy reading, reading books, leisure books, um, and uh, and playing chess. So that would be that would be on my list of things that I enjoy. Any good books that you've uh, read this year? I'm on a book now called Do Nothing, and uh, it's it's quite interesting. Uh, it's a quite interesting uh, sort of approach to life and just really trying to uh, help highlight how much we all try to do. Uh, but uh, I don't want to go into any further into the book since uh, we, we could talk for days, but <laughs> uh, but Do Nothing has been, has been a very interesting book for me so far. All right. I'll put it on my list. For those of our uh, listeners who are here, whether it be uh, trainees or um, patients or people with sarcomas or family members, could you tell them a little bit of what sarcomas are? Yeah. Um, and so just to recap again, the reason for our podcast, so Sarcoma Insight, this is our destination for education for both benign and malignant tumors that affect the bone and soft tissue. So we'll be tackling a different topic in the field of sarcoma and orthopedic oncology. Um, so yeah, today's topic is what is sarcoma? So in brief, and this is a bit of an oversimplification, but Sarcoma is one of the uh, different flavors of, of cancers, we'll say. Um, there's three main types that we hear about, and sarcomas account for less than 1% of all cancers that are seen uh, worldwide. Um, so if we kind of oversimplify cancers into three main types. There's carcinomas, which are the ones that we hear about the most. These are cancers that come from the organs or the lymph glands. Uh, and so carcinomas, this includes prostate cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, etc. So that's one main type of cancer that's the most common. Um, the other types of cancers that we hear about frequently are cancers that come from the blood elements. So like lymphoma, leukemia, myeloma, etc. Um, and sarcoma is a very rare group of cancers that accounts for less than 1% of all cancers. And these arise in the bones and connective tissues, such as fat uh, and muscle, uh, etc. And this is a very heterogeneous group of cancers. Um, and because it's so rare, that's why it can be a very difficult type of cancer to treat. And everyone is very different. Um, but Izu, do you want to tell us a little more about some of the statistics for the numbers? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you touched on something that's very important there, which is the heterogeneity um, in sarcomas in that because they arise from very different uh, primary um types of tissues, um, whether it be fat, muscle, bone, uh, they all end up looking different. Uh, and uh, that's something very important to note because it ends up creating uh, uh, sometimes even a picture that can be cancerous and then more often uh, a benign picture uh, that would need, that's very important for us to identify that in terms of differentiating between what would be cancerous or not. In terms of true sarcomas, uh, they're broken down primarily when 
documenting into soft tissue sarcomas and into bone sarcomas. And you know, according to the American Cancer Society, there are about 13,000, 13,460 to be specific, new soft tissue sarcomas that are diagnosed annually with males getting about 7,700 of those and about 5,700 females. And whereas, you know, in bone sarcomas, there will be about 3,600 new diagnoses annually. Um, unfortunately, there are, you know, deaths uh, associated with sarcomas, but sort of our approach uh, with this podcast is with the, the goal of educating people um, so that we all have a very, very great basis of understanding regarding the topic. Right. And we'll go into some of the details for each specific type of sarcoma and other uh, related musculoskeletal tumors and lesions uh, in each episode. But I think that was a really good overview. So I think in summary, their soft tissue sarcomas are much more common than bone sarcomas. Um, and in general, these are very rare types of cancers. So on to our next question. Are all sarcomas malignant? By the, in terms of terminology, by uh, uh, the word sarcoma itself does mean malignant. Although sort of like we had briefly touched upon, it is very important to be able to discern uh, whether a growth is benign or malignant. Uh, and so we often will have uh, growths of soft tissue and connective tissues uh, fall into different categories, whether it be a malignant tumor, which will be a formal sarcoma, or something benign, which uh, does not pose as much of a risk uh, to the individual, although they can be locally bothersome, and then the intermediate or benign aggressive category. Uh, and so the ability to discern all of these are uh, very important. Uh, and and as we go into various topics, we'll continue to discuss uh, each different type of tumor that would fall in each of these categories. Right. Um, and so we get, I would say, different imaging based on how different patients present. And benign things are certainly more common in general. Um, but based on the characteristics of either the patient's symptoms or size of the lesion, or just um, how the patient comes in in general, what other uh, symptoms they might be having systemically, then we may get imaging and uh, uh, create a differential diagnosis whereby uh, a biopsy or, or other um, diagnostic studies may be ordered in order to differentiate between whether this is benign or non-cancerous or a malignant or cancerous lesion. Yeah, so. excellent, excellent. And um, uh, at least just for, uh, for our listeners, can you just tell us what are the types of sarcomas? Yeah, and you already touched on this a little bit. The, the two major categories of sarcomas are bone sarcomas and soft tissue sarcomas. Uh, bone sarcomas, they can be derived from different type or different parts of the bone. Um, so the cartilage, the periosteum, uh, osteocytes, etc., and the name of the tumor often gives you a lot of information about which cells the cancer is derived from. Um, 
but soft tissue sarcomas are certainly more common. And these can come really in any part of the body. Um, and oftentimes they present as a large, deep, painless mass, which is why sometimes they can grow to be um, quite a large size before they're identified because they may not have a lot of symptoms or patients may not have a lot of symptoms until they get to a size where they're pressing on other structures. Um, but uh, soft tissue sarcomas can come from, like we said before, the muscle, the fat, uh, the blood vessels, um, really, really all types of, of tissues. And not only can they come in the arms and legs, which is where we commonly deal with these kind of tumors as orthopedic oncologists, but they can also occur at times in the abdomen or even in, in the chest. And uh, these kind of tumors will be treated more often by uh, general surgeons or other types of surgeons who have a specialty in these specific kinds of sarcomas. But. Absolutely. And, and the location often affects nomenclature, uh, like we talked about. So, for example, uh, bone sarcoma, usually an osteosarcoma, um, whereas if it arises from cartilage, we'll call those the chondrosarcomas. And we talked a little bit about it arising from smooth muscle, like the lining of blood vessels, et cetera. That would be called a sarcoma. Mm -hmm. uh, some sarcomas do have names that necessarily make it difficult to tell the origin, like an E-wing sarcoma. Uh, but our goal is as we go further and further along with the podcast, that all these will be become very, very clear. Um, to all who listen. Uh, I guess our next question to talk about sarcomas in general is what kind of people get diagnosed with sarcoma? Who is affected by sarcomas? Yeah, uh, that is, that's an excellent question. And it's very important to, to note, again, the heterogeneity of sarcomas. And as a result, uh, various age groups are affected depending on the particular tumor type. Uh, whether it be the more uh, benign, benign aggressive, or the malignant tumors, uh, some some sarcomas have a bimodal age distribution, where they're more common in the younger as than the older population. Some sarcomas are more likely to occur, occur exclusively in children, uh, and, and these are things that help us when we start to identify certain tumors and. Um, working through what the, we call a differential diagnosis, which would be a short list of what the actual diagnosis might be, because that often will affect the treatment algorithm for each individual with a diagnosis. Exactly. Yeah. So in other words, I think age, like you were saying, is, is one of the factors that we can use to narrow that down as certain tumors are more common in certain age groups, um, depending on the type of tumor that it is. And Hopefully, we'll be able to answer some of those questions in future episodes. Right. Um, and along with the age, the location and area of the body uh, is also very important because many of these tumors will often have a predilection to go and affect different parts of the body. So some sarcomas are more likely to occur in the, uh, the thigh or the femur, some prefer to be around the hip joint or the pelvis. Uh, some sarcomas uh, are more likely to occur down in the 
um, acro areas, so the feet and the, uh, the hands. And so these are uh, things that are very important to note uh, in terms of uh, identifying what the diagnosis is, as well as creating that short list of differential diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I think that's a great summary of things. Um, so, so I think moving on, one of the other common questions that I think people have is, what are the treatment options or what interventions are, are commonly offered to patients with sarcoma? And we can probably break this down again based on the two major categories of sarcoma, so bone sarcoma and soft tissue sarcoma. I want to start talking a little bit about maybe just some of the treatment options in, in general, Izu, as major yeah, categories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you, um, when you look at sarcomas and our sort of treatment continues to evolve, uh, but there there are some tenets that remain. And when you look at someone who's diagnosed with bone sarcomas, um, you know, I think there's often a very uh, large group of uh, a multidisciplinary team that play a role in taking care of them. And so that would uh, include um, your oncologist, it could include your radiation oncologist, then your surgeon, um, you know, and, and all sorts of sorts of uh, physician and and team members, and uh, for someone with a diagnosis of bone sarcoma, so like an osteosarcoma, for for example, uh, it's very sort of the treatment uh, algorithm often will include uh, a round of chemotherapy uh, with or without radiation, as well as surgery, and this could differ for other sarcomas. So even uh, arising from around the bone, if it comes from the cartilage, which is called chondrosarcoma, these are uh, often resistant to radiation. And the best way that we have to treat them at this point are often by surgery alone. Whereas if we want to look at the soft tissue sarcomas, um, this treatment can include uh, radiation uh, followed by surgery or surgery followed by radiation or sometimes surgery alone. But a lot of factors have to go into this decision-making and a lot of um, team members uh, in deliberation as well. And I, I, I did, um, I did oh, I'm going to get in trouble with this, but I did omit one of the most important uh, members of the team, uh, which is the pathologist. So along with your oncologist and radiation, uh, onco um, radiation oncology, your surgeons, uh, your pathologists, or your oncology nurses. Uh, so there's usually a very good multidisciplinary team that's uh, there to create a plan that is specific to each individual. As we do go uh, forward uh, in recent years, we've started to understand more about specific uh, immunotherapies and targeted therapies. As we continue to understand the actual mechanisms uh, and the physiology of these tumors and why they're able to grow um, without control, uh, we are able to start employing different therapies that uh, can shut down these pathways and and hopefully lead to uh, a cure of the uh, of the diseases. And I think another um, uh, team member that can sometimes be involved is interventional radiology as well. And these are uh, unique situations where it can come up. But uh, for example, cryoablation um, is one of the types of uh, potential 
adjunctive or supplementary treatment options that's occasionally available for certain types of sarcoma. So sometimes, a, uh, as Izu mentioned, it's a very big team um, that's involved in the treatment of these kinds of rare cancers. And uh, everything's going to be very individualized based on your particular situation and particular type of tumor. And so it could be any combination of treatments that's uh, offered or recommended. Yeah, and so uh, for people or for someone who is diagnosed with uh, sarcoma and undergo uh, treatment, after the treatment, uh, is there any follow-up, any general surveillance that's done um, after that? Yeah, and that's a good question. And of course, again, there will be some uh, individual adjustments made uh, for different reasons. But uh, in general, I would say surveillance is both important for looking for local recurrence, meaning the tumor growing at the same spot where it was originally diagnosed, and also metastasis. So surveillance involves imaging to look for both of these things, um, as well as clinical exam, of course, um, also. But so typically when we talk about metastasis, which is distant disease, that's when the disease is spread to other sites in the lung for most sarcomas. This is in general is the most common site, um, though there are other areas that we look for like the lymph nodes, um, but the lung is one of the most common sites. And so imaging for that generally involves a CT chest and then imaging to look for recurrence at the site of disease or local recurrence. For bone tumors, oftentimes plain films are very useful, but sometimes this could be supplemented by more advanced imaging like an MRI or CT scan um, for certain bone sarcomas or soft tissue sarcomas. And the interval for surveillance is generally shorter in the first year to two after your cancer treatment and diagnosis, and then generally gets spaced out over time if those scans are clear. Um, so I think a way to simplify that is you'll have more imaging more often in the first couple of years after uh, cancer diagnosis. And then as time goes on, the risk of recurrence or metastasis typically goes down. So that kind of surveillance can be spaced out more safely. But this is still a very hot topic at the moment and something we're still trying to figure out in order to, to uh, determine what the best timing is to bring patients back. Because obviously we wanna be able to catch it the moment that a cancer maybe recurs or spreads elsewhere. But um, at the same time, it's, it's a big deal to be bringing patients back for, for imaging frequently. So it's, it's, it's a fine balance. Um, yeah, and obviously our patients are the, the main priority in order to determine what that formula is, that perfect recipe. Exactly. There's so much that goes into it. And we hope with this sort of episode, we started, help start that conversation and that understanding uh, of what sarcomas are. Um, to where they arise from, uh, sort of basic treatment options, uh, as well as surveillance. Uh, and we hope to continue this conversation with you all. 
next episode, uh, we'll be discussing biopsy and the biopsy process and procedures, what to look for and how they are done. Uh, with that said, it's important to note that for every patient's case, uh, there are always unique circumstances and unique treatment for each diagnosis is dependent on a discussion with your team and your team of physicians. Uh, if you would like more information, feel free to uh, subscribe uh, to our podcast uh, and check out the links uh, in the episodes as well. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. Uh, thank you very much. All right. I'm Elise Brinkman. And Izuchuku eBay. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to seeing everyone next time. Mm-hmm.